Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bottled. The fifth episode today is with Nikki Wilder. And in today's episode, we talk about midwifery as a profession because Nikki is a very passionate midwife. We talk about weddings, we talk about dating apps, babies、um, in general, and in very particular fashion as well. And then we also talk about how the pandemic has disrupted the medical industry. I hope you enjoy the episode today, episode number five with Nikki Wada. Please enjoy. <clears throat> I haven't been to a lot of weddings,、um, mm-hmm. but that wedding was, it just made me feel homely. You know, there are certain very, very specific events、mm-hmm. um, that happen when you move to a country that make you feel home. Like, honestly, when you leave home and you go to a new place, n- not everything feels home. Like, there has to be something. And that was one that was one event out of many that's happened、uh, that I was like, wow, this is so good. Because it was, it was nice. It was all family and friends、yeah. just being there. Just、I'm、a、really、few of them there. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad that you were there. Like, you. Actually, like, really made a difference, I think. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. Why? I want to know why. Well, with the music thing, we originally asked Jackson's brother to,、mm-hmm. to do the music,、yeah. and he, di- he said no. He just said、really? no. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, do yeah. I have to play the music myself? And then <laughs> I was like, imagine running, playing the music, getting back who's, on who's the. Who's going to do it?、Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know why you said no because it's a tough task. I have to tell you. Like, I was there and I'm like, it felt as if it's my wedding. The music has to be good. If I, if I mess it up,、mm-hmm. Nick is going to kill me. Jackson's going to kill me. His dad's going to kill me. It's that brown guy over there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a massive responsibility. But yeah. I, but it was fun. Yeah, you did it well, though. Yeah. And it's recording. <laughs> How's the music, by the way?、Tell、Which me about music?、It. At、the, the music at the wedding. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't an extravagant wedding to begin with, but there were a few like little things that I really wanted and I think I got them. Yeah. And the music was important to me. Yeah. Because、um, like, we only had a few songs. We didn't actually get to play our own music at the, at the, at the cafe because、mm. there w a s already people there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I only had, what do I, I think I picked three songs out of. Out of a hundred that I had originally put like on a playlist that I wanted to play at the、yeah. wedding, and I didn't get to play all of those, so I had to be really selective with what I wanted to play. Yeah.、Um, and Jackson like edited one of my one of the songs, like the song that I walked down the、uh-huh, aisle to, did,、yeah. to fit it into what I don't even remember how much it was, like 30 seconds or so.、Yeah. And there was like a couple of just key parts of the song. Um, and like the introduction、yeah. um, for like my bridesmaids to walk into because I didn't want them to have words and whatever. So、mm. it was like it was well thought out and so it needed to be executed well too. Yeah.、Um, Especially yeah. when you have a limited time、yes. and then a limited、yeah. um, resource in terms of the space as well. You've got to move around. And yeah, it was, it was, it was very well executed though, in my opinion.、Mm. Not just because of the music, it's not, I'm not saying it because of just of the music, but <laughs> it's just the fact that、um, there was a story in the day.、Yeah. Just, yeah, when you,、uh, at, at least from my eyes, from someone、um, in the audience, you see Jackson coming in with his、uh, parents, and then we're there, his friends come in as well, and then you put the entry in with、mm-hmm. your friends、uh, and、uh, in the aisle. Oh my God. 
And the pictures of that day. Yes. Is, yeah. Yeah. And you know what tells me it was such a well-planned day is is the fact that you let everybody know they can't post pictures on social media yeah. <laughs> unless the official pictures come out. <laughs> yeah, look, I worked really hard and I did absolutely everything for that and I I want what I want and I'm going to get it. So <laughs> But yeah. you, you did. And it was even the pictures were so good. Everything was um it was amazing. Mm, everything yeah. worked out really well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was there with my uh, workmates, which was um, which is fun. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I, I, I wish I would have been there like for uh, for for longer. And um, I feel you know it should happen again and again. Obviously, weddings shouldn't happen and again and again. <laughs> but but it, it was that kind of day. Yeah. Yeah. It was that kind of day. And Jackson is um, you know uh, like we were talking about him before. He is uh, at least for me. I I absolutely. Jackson, this is on record. It's hard to work with you. It's hard to make you move. Like it's, he is a lazy, lazy teddy bear. When he when he when he does things, um, it's uh, it's a hundred percent. And I'm sure you know it better. Mm-hmm. Um, meeting someone when you were like you know many years ago, and it doesn't happen to a lot of people. And for do- for those who for those whom it does happen, I I feel like they're very fortunate. I feel the same way. I. I'm, I really wanted to get married like relatively young and like spend my life with somebody for like the duration of my life mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that I got that Yeah. and I like I really wanted to have just one person in my life and I think that's rare like in this day and age 100% so yeah such a blessing to just yeah. find that person straight like almost straight away I think I dated like one other person and that barely counted mm. um and yeah, just the right person. It yeah. just worked out perfectly, and it just keeps working out perfectly. Yeah, and looking at you, it's it doesn't even feel like you, you both of you tried. It just happened, mm. and then you just made for each other. That's that gives us the true definition of um, of that. It's just when you look at people and it just works. It's just yes. seamless. Yes, that's um, that's rare. Yeah, and and I feel like people who haven't found that person, um, they have more context of it. Mm-hmm. Of how hard it is and like you said um, you know it's especially in today's day and age it's incredibly I wouldn't say hard um, it's it's weird because you have people swiping left and right on the phone and trying to match against there's nothing wrong with that like you do you but I feel like it's just the the, tra- the transition from meeting that someone in the library or meeting that someone in the park or just meeting um, in, in the most innate natural way possible yeah. it's just gone yeah yeah, yeah. It's like so easy to just sort of look at somebody and take them at face value and make a quick judgment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's like it's kind of a good thing and I think it's probably necessary in this day and age mm-hmm. just because there's like so many different ways to go. Like there's so many people and there's so many mm-hmm. ways that you wouldn't meet a person. Yeah. And like there's so many like success stories of like, people that have met off Tinder and like have these really strange romances that are yeah. just are normal now. Um, but I think it's also... It's difficult to, you know, you could very easily swipe past somebody that you were like, that's perfect for you. Yeah. And just sort of go, oh, well, that person's got a weird, a weird moustache or a strange mm. haircut or they've got a chicken in their profile picture. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm afraid of birds. I and know. then, you know, and, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. it's a weird thing to navigate. It is. So. And what scares me is, is not the fact that you swipe 
um, left. Um, that's that's apparently that's bad on the app. Mm. Left was the right person. It's it's the fact that you're missing the person on in real life. Like wherever yeah. you are swiping, you're missing what's happening around you. Yeah. And like like you you raised a good point. Is in you know it's probably good that it's happening in today's day and age. But then why is the question? It it was never required in my opinion. It was never required. Like hundreds of and thousands of years we've you know been we've been on Earth and. People met each other. People, you know, we interacted, we made friends, we communicated. It always worked. I wonder where this came in. And yeah, obviously there's technology and it makes it easier. But um, I wonder. Uh, it's just the fact that it just shifted the direction of how people meet. It's oh, just yeah. incredibly uh, amazing. Well, yeah. how, I can't even begin to like work out how it's gotten to the way it is. Exactly. Like, is yeah, mind boggling. No idea. Yeah. And the fact that you have options now. Like, you yes. know, if this person's not good, maybe the other person is, you have that option there is uh, is amazing. Or maybe it's just a call of time for me to just, you know, get on with technology. <laughs> get on with the times. <laughs> Are you not any on any of those? Nah, none. No? No. Nah. I'm proud to say I'm none. No. Yeah, it's like the millennial rebellion. I'm not okay. on Instagram, not on Snapchat, not on um any of those apps it's not the fact that i despise them mm-hmm. uh, it's just the fact that i don't think I, I don't truly believe in that sort of connection yeah yeah sure I, yeah it's sort of like almost a fake connection that you sort of forced to begin with mm-hmm. and then i'm sure like for a lot of people it does blossom to like a real connection yeah. but again that's chance that's the yeah. same as like meeting somebody in a library that's like picking up the same book that you are and that is a that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's 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 all about chances. Uh, I, feel, I I strongly believe in the saying that nothing's really good or bad unless you're really hurting someone innocent mm. or you're committing a crime. Um, but yeah, like you do you. But then um, there's just a shift in technology and a shift in um, the era that's uh, that scares me. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I'm I'm really glad you're here, Nikki, uh, because <laughs> I didn't think this was going to happen because our plan was. Um, last saturday and you got called for uh for work tell us about it what happened it was it it sounded like a crazy day you kept apologizing i was like no you shouldn't because it's it's firstly it's work and uh you work in the health industry which Mm -hmm. is which is something nobody should question um in terms of the you know in terms of the balance especially in the pandemic so what happened that day all right so it was, a, it was Sunday and yeah. I had big plans for that day. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to church in the morning. I was going to see my parents. I was going to come hang out with you, uh-huh. um, have this awesome discussion. And then I had plans in the evening. I can't remember what it was, but it all went out the toilet because a baby decided to be born. <laughs> and that's just so them. Like they just work to their own schedule. They yeah. do what they want. They scare the crap out of everybody. Mm. And yeah, they're, they're amazing, seriously. Yeah. Um, so as part of my degree, I am... I'm so close to being a registered midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, just have a little bit to go. I've got <laughs> a couple of assignments to do, a couple of little requirements to meet, a couple of little boxes to tick. Um, so it's really important that I went and delivered yeah. that baby because um, to graduate, I need to deliver 30 babies. So deliver the head, deliver the body. Oh, it's like um, targets. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it must be head and body. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so when you say uh, head and body is in the the baby has to be alive. Yes. Oh. oh, well, I have. So if something were to go sort of slightly not quite to plan mm-hmm. and a doctor needs to step in and help to um, speed up the delivery with like forceps or a vacuum or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and they deliver the head, 
and then I step in and I deliver the body, technically it doesn't count. Oh. Right. So it's got to be the head and the body that I deliver. Oh, so you have to have to be there through the entire process. That's it, yeah. Oh. So because of that, I've had um, a couple of mishaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very unlucky in the birthing suite because, uh-huh. I don't know, I've seen a lot of intervention um, for good reasons and bad reasons. And I just haven't met my requirements yet. Yeah. So, And we're at the pointy end of of uni so i need to i need to start getting those those deliveries yeah. and i've been working extra shifts and getting called in for births yeah um and they just happen to call me in on sundays all the time yeah and, that was, yeah you sent me the message and i'm like um that's 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 completely fine because um you know you've got, we've got so much time and you live right there in Kangba <laughs> and it's just a drive away we can always do this later but it's just the fact that you um you are doing something that is required for this uh, for this time. Uh, that's because we, it's it's all about the care, right? You're caring mm. for someone's uh, baby uh, being born in the world, and it's just the fact that you you do that makes me feel good. And uh, thirty minutes ago, I learned that it's called midwifery, right? Not midwifery. Midwifery, yeah. Yeah, midwifery, and we talked about how uh, that may be tweaked because yes. it, it does sound like midwife midwifery well yes it's i'm a midwife and i practice midwifery so it's yeah oh okay so it's a common mistake yeah oh okay so the person's called midwife and then Mm -hmm. the practice is called midwifery yes okay that that makes me think it's midwifery (laughs) i know it's it's very off-putting yeah so uh, what do you um in terms of uh, the work itself how is it different to uh, being a nurse because i've always thought uh they were the same pe- people. When babies are born, it's the nurse who handles them. And there's a doctor, there's a nurse, and you know, I, I, I've never heard of uh, mid- midwives or mm-hmm. midwifery. And what exactly is it? So nurses are very, very clinical. Um, obviously, they have like a lot of emotional support as well. But the the name midwife means with woman. Mm. So you have sort of different degrees of like care for women. Um, and that's what being a midwife is. It's caring for the woman. It's a fairly common misconception that midwives um, love babies and mm-hmm. that's what they're here for. We're here for the babies. And like, yes, that's the end goal for the woman and the midwife to have to have a baby. Um, but it means with woman. So we are primarily caring for the woman and that's who you see um, for the, you know, nine months of the pregnancy and in the first six weeks after the baby's born. Yeah. Um, so the difference... I suppose is that we work primarily with well women. Mm. Well, mostly with well women in this day and age. We get lots of complexities, but... When there's no complications. Yeah, yeah. Um, We work with complexities as well, but if Mm. it gets, you know, out of our scope, then you are going to get referred to an obstetrician and that's their role. They work with complex pregnancies Mm. and complex deliveries Mm. um, and complex postnatal periods as well. So that's... That's them. Uh-huh. Midwives work with well women for the natural and normal process of carrying a pregnancy and delivering a baby. Mm. And then a short period after that, um, looking after mum and baby. Oh, really? Yeah. So how, how long do you look after the baby for? Up to six weeks. Um, in a hospital setting, you probably wouldn't see them for longer than... You know, it depends really on how everything goes and like yeah. the degree of complexity. But you know, it's it's rare for a woman to stay in hospital for longer than like five five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
especially um, because uh, if it's a natural birth, uh, obviously you have um, that process there and you just, um, in, in what cases do you think um, people who gave birth to babies, uh, they stay in the hospital apart from just complexities? Because do you have to monitor a certain someone because of certain complications they've had in the past or during the process? Mm -hmm. Do you have to stay there as well for that? Yeah, it's... It's very case by case. Mm -hmm. um, some complexities can be handled at home. Yeah. Um, women stay in the hospital. Um, if everything has gone well, then they don't really even need to have any observations done. They might have, you know, one or two, mm. um, just in like very early period to make sure that everything is fine. Um, and same with the baby as well. Yeah. But if there are no, there's no complexities, then they just stay there to be supported. Yeah. Um, it's a massive transition. Like you don't just birth a baby, you birth a mother as well. And that's what comes out of like the process. Yeah. Because um, it's... It's a misconception again that, you know, women um, have their babies and they know exactly what to do and they know how to breastfeed and mm. they know how to how to settle them and they know how to hold them mm. um, and they know what, you know, what each cry means. They know when they're hungry. They don't. They have to yeah. learn that and and the baby has to learn to, to be a baby and how yeah. to, they have to adjust to a completely different environment. Yeah. Um, and see, these are things we don't know. We just think it just happens. That's it. And we, we forget how the transition took place so your job is basically to train the mother as well and the baby as well to a certain extent yep yep yeah. we we monitor well-being um we screen and you know just look for things that are not normal mm -hmm. um and we do things about them when they happen but our primary role i found is to just be there for the woman mm -hmm. give her information so then she can make her own decisions yeah. like it's not going to help anybody if we just tell her this is what you need to do um she needs to be able to make her decisions. She needs to be able to, you know, be responsible for her own well-being and her, her health and her baby's health. Yeah. And yeah, because if you just tell her this is what we're going to do, um, she's not going to be able to make those decisions in the future yeah. and not going to so, be able to continue the transition. Yeah. So is it safe to say you give the mother a pathway as well? Yeah. At, at the, at the, just the first phase of, um, of, the, of motherhood? That you tell her, uh, you know, what what's good, what's bad, what could be safe, what could be unsafe for the baby as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a lot of training as well then, um, just to have that uh, because it's a, it's a complicated matter. It's life and death, to be honest. It can be, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because um, you love this, and I want to know why though, because I haven't heard a lot of people. Um, become midwives mm -hmm. and I think you're the first person I'm so lucky that you are the first person at least I know someone uh, who um, is so but why what's the what's the uh, what's the why behind your passion right well I've since as long as I can remember I've just been fascinated with you know the creation of new life like mm -hmm. it's incredible how things happen and, you know, I still can't even grasp it, like how something like so small and like so in insignificant grows and like unfolds and like, you know, forms a new person with its own set of feelings. And, you know, they do incredible things before they're even born. And like yeah. they are, they're people before they're born, like way before they even look like people. Yeah. Um, like babies can hear from, I think, like 13 or 18 weeks. Like really? they hear you. Yeah. And See, I may sound dumb, but I thought, you know how they say the baby's kicking? That was mm -hmm. just a myth or just, that was just for the movies. They just say it. So it's real that babies yeah. kick and they babies do. move. Yeah, mm. they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. And not only is it 
amazing that, you know, babies are formed and born um, and they have like these amazing inbuilt natural processes, like perfectly designed, can I say, mm. um, to, to be, to cope with birth and then survive after birth, like, you know, bonding and knowing how to feed and like they crawl in their first hours and they communicate and you know they learn and all this amazing stuff like that's all amazing and just super interesting and I can't get enough of that Mm. um but you know the women like this is a major life event yeah it's like the women their families like their families are born their families are grown their families are completed um through this process and you make a massive difference Mm -hmm. and you know even if you're just standing there doing absolutely nothing for the woman just like you know sort of smiling here and going you're doing it like this is fine yeah like you're witnessing like incredible things so i can't Mm. get enough of that yeah and it's it's not for it's 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 not like every other job where uh, let's say for as completely as an example you're selling a piece of cloth or it's not it's not just meeting targets it's you're, it's there you're meeting targets like you said thirty babies but then it's the process that every single uh, birth just like you said gives rise to a new story mm-hmm. and people are just exactly. celebrating it and we talked about many months ago we talked about how uh, families come in to celebrate that birth mm-hmm. it's it, it must be amazing and they it must really be very is. thankful for what you guys do yes they, yeah everyone says thank you like even if it doesn't go the way that they want to like they say like thank you for for yeah. being there for me and you know i'm a student so i don't always get to do what I want to do like mm. I don't always like lead the care I don't I'm not always like the hero of the situation no one's the hero except for the woman yeah um but they always say like thank you like just for being here and like for caring and for mm. looking after me and you know it's sometimes all I do is give a woman like a, a back massage or mm. you know try to you know tell her that this is fine this is normal you're doing a good job and even if it feels like the worst thing in the world to be laboring it's like your body's doing it and yeah. you know it's going to come to an end and you're going to be you're going to be fine yeah. and you're going to get a baby out of it and exactly you can handle it i guess it's the feeling of someone being there yes because when you're vulnerable uh vul- sorry vulnerable um even physically it's happened to me quite a few times as well like when you're not feeling well you feel very vulnerable and it's just that's the worst feeling ever yes. like being alone and vulnerable and not being able to even move your body or just do things but someone being there just saying i'm going to take care of you that's uh, w- what else do you need that's right? it yeah. it makes all the difference hey yeah and it's 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 crazy that uh we we talked about how you met jackson and then you have this um uh you you found someone early on and you've also found someone that you love doing and studying it's it's crazy. Do, do you feel fortunate at times? Oh yes, massive blessing. Like, I was, I wasn't always grateful for this because mm. um, I've been out of high school for all like ten years. Next next year will be, will be ten years. Oh, wow. Time um, flies, right? Oh, it does so so much. Yeah. Um, but I didn't figure it out until until four years ago. Mm-hmm. I always, as I said, I've always had a fascination with this this topic. Um, and always an interest in in health and um, and women mm-hmm. um, and families, um, but I didn't really work it out that I can be a midwife until like four years ago. So, and you know, I've got other stuff that I want to do with my life. Like I want to be a mother myself, and mm. um, I want to 
you know, buy a house and uh, do a little bit of traveling and stuff like that. And I always sort of felt maybe if I had figured it out a little bit sooner and then, you know, graduated and practiced a little bit sooner, then I'd be a little bit further along in my life. Yeah. Um, But all the different things that I tried before that have made a difference as well. Mm, Such as? Well, I was a nanny for a year and a half, so... Oh, yeah, you told me. And then you guys went to London for this. I did, yes. And that's where he proposed you. That's where the proposal was. Yes, it all makes sense now. Good memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tell us about the nanny job. Well, the nannying was... Where did that come from? I think it was... It just built up from... um, I started babysitting. I've always been interested in children and families. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, I really want to do babysitting. And um, I think I started doing like casual work with like a 10-year-old and I was like, I'm just going to start with a 10-year-old and then I work my way backwards once I get, you know, a little bit more experience and references and everything. And I ended up working for this lovely family, um, single mother um, from from London. Mm. She had two kids and she was very, very busy in her life. She had big goals and um, she was working towards them at the same time. Like she moved to Australia, I think maybe a year or so before I met her. And we're setting up a life for her and her kids here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it started out like relatively casually, um, you know, just helping pick him up after school. And I just got more and more engrossed in the family. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think I'm, so. I, the, by the end of it, or at least halfway through, they considered me family. Yeah. Because um, I was there every day. Yeah. Um, some weekends I'd planned a lot of like I planned birthday parties and I did grocery shopping for them and um and then one Christmas uh the woman took her kids Mm -hmm. to to be with their fathers Mm -hmm. um so the older girl had her father was living in London and her son her son's father was living in I think Phoenix in America Mm -hmm. So she wanted her kids to spend Christmas with their fathers and she took the daughter to London and then took the son to America and she stayed with her son because he was only two or three at the time. Mm. And then she flew back home and she sent me to go pick up her daughter. So we had a really good relationship, me and that family, and um, they obviously trusted me to to look after the kids. Obviously, yeah. And you've got to be that kind of person, right? You've got yeah. to be very close to um, just a feeling of, of of being a family. Yes. And you've got you've got to be trustworthy for yeah. this job. I, I can imagine not everybody being able to do it, even nanny or midwifery. You've got to, people have to trust. Like imagine, I can't even hold a baby right now because I, I don't have the practice. Like like mm-hmm. you said, maybe maybe that now that makes sense because I can see dads and um, uncles. They're all holding babies. Uh, who are three or four months old and i wonder how they learned it obviously that's with practice as well and that makes me feel uh like one of my friends just became a dad last week oh that's lovely and he's he's a guy um who um i never thought would become a dad at the age of 26 never thought so never never in my wildest dreams thought he would be a dad and he became a dad i was so proud as well of what he said after that he's like uh, what I was 10 years ago or five years ago when we were friends is um, I'm not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. And everything changed the day I was in the hospital when the baby was born. Have you, and it's, it must be incredible for you to see lives change. Yeah. 
Like yeah, just absolutely. people become who they're not uh, in a good way uh, in the hospital. Does that happen quite a bit? Like yeah. people just change? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you spend some time with like these families when like, you know, they're in labor and things and you have these little conversations and you get to know them a little bit. Mm. Um, even if you met them that day or, you know, you meet them like an hour before their baby's born and you get to, you know, they, you watch their body language and their, like the way that they interact, like the woman and her husband or a partner or whoever's there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like when that baby's born, like you look at you look at their faces and it's just like they're they're communicating with each other like this mm. is like everything's different now it's like we have this baby like whether it's their first or their fourth or mm. whatever it's like there's always emotion in the room and it's it's always yeah. really special and yeah it's like sort of those one of those things where i kind of wish i could see a little bit more like yeah once once they've sort of gone home and they're adjusting and like they make these changes and they're working out how to look after this baby exactly and, how they're going to make like make these like little changes in their lives and because yeah. you talk about it before before babies are born mm. and it, you know you say to them do you think your relationship's going to change and is there anything you're worried about like that you know will be difficult once the baby's born and some people say oh no I think it'll be fine but it always does there's always like allowances that need to be made and compromises yeah. to be had like when when a baby comes and yeah. it's yeah it's very special to why do you think this change happens? Um, like people, um, you hear this especially with um, with babies entering a family uh, that people change. Why do you think this change happens um, because of a baby? Uh, what's the what's the psychology? Because obviously uh, you love your baby. It's um, it's it you know um, he or she is yours and mm-hmm. um, you you love them. But it's just the fact that you, it could turn a stone into whatever is soft the heart it's 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 crazy why do you think that happens well again i think it's part of that like perfect design like Mm. you know when babies are like babies are designed to to draw people in and it's designed to draw like you know the family like the people that are around it to Mm -hmm. to love it um like that eye contact and like the skin to skin like once a baby's born like you know you look at it and they have these massive eyes and that's that's on purpose Oh, really? That's purposeful. They they're small and they have large heads, and they look cute to make you love them, to make you want to look after them. Yeah. Um, so it's God's it, way. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I fully believe that. Mm. And like the more that I learn, like it's like how yeah. does that exactly? How yeah. do all these like tiny little things that people don't even really notice? Like yeah. that all comes together to. That's making sense because we have these very um, big worships in Nepal. Right, and then the elders and the priests always say that the baby, you know, when something falls off the table or when something happens in the room, obviously you have accidents there. But then, a ba- they say a baby is always protected. Mm-hmm. It's a baby's eyes are always protected, and it's um, it, that's sort of making sense right now, and it's just giving me goosebumps as well. That you know, it's it could be God's way of saying you know it's um, it's a creation, and then mm-hmm. you're adding a human being on Earth, such a beautiful place to live. And yeah, that that's that's making a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it all like everything about a baby is is designed to like form a bond, and without that bond, there's no survival. Mm. So it's all these things. Things are so important. Like you know, yeah. the smell of like the baby itself. Like you always see women like the their natural instinct, or not just the woman, like the partner as well. Like mm. they, your instinct is to go in and smell them, and touch them, yeah. and kiss them. 
and like all these like different little things are just they're all like perfectly in place yeah. to make sure that baby's going to get what it needs. Yeah. And so you know the baby's covered in um, we call it lycor. That's the the fluid that's around the baby, mm. and it's it has a certain smell. So once they're born, like they smell it with their hands, they touch, they feel like the breast and um, they use like their sense of smell to like find their way around. And yeah. if you wash off that, that scent from them, then it makes it harder for them to feed. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and they can smell like breast milk and um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it's just the way you talk about babies and uh, your work and study is, is the passion, the, the glow in your eyes. I know, I keep moving my hands. <laughs> It's really good because uh, we had um, uh, Richard, one of my friends, in the second episode, and he has this incredible hobby of a very unusual hobby of listening to music on a vinyl player. So it's like, you know, these old school um, pin drop players, like with the plastics. Mm -hmm. And he talked about uh, that. And it was crazy because he had the same expression that you have right now, the, just the passion in the eyes. And Brian, who came in on the third episode, he has his own organization. He's like 23 and he's doing incredibly good. Have you met Brian? I don't think so, no. Yeah, he worked with Jackson and I at Optus and he has um, his company now. Uh, and he talked about the same company in such a um, with so much passion. And um, that makes me think, passion like you've got to love something you do right do you ever feel like working when you're doing um when you when you're working as a midwife uh, or do you sometimes feel like there are there are down times as well like sometimes like obviously when you're working um, in any job you have stressful moments you have a rush it's not always um you know, a bed of rose sure like yeah. the, do you have like those times any, as well with anything there's you know there's little bits and pieces where you may might not agree with it um, mm. think like little things that overshadow what you're doing and like the things that you love, like, mm. um, there's definitely things that get in the way and make it feel like it's harder than it should be. Yeah. Um, but you know, those things are necessary as well. And, mm. you know, there's things like, like workplace politics and, mm. um, you know, I'm obviously the lowest of the low of the midwives and, you know, there's the... Yeah. The people that have been there for ages and, you know, the the work relationship, like the dynamics between like the staff and like if you get the wrong combination of staff rostered on for the for that shift, then, mm. you know, you might have problems and um, like things like that, I suppose. Mm. And, yeah. you know, things that get in the way with like actually being with the woman, like there's documentation coming out your ears all the time and, mm. you know, you might document the same thing three, four times in different areas and whatever that sort of thing gets in the way but you know yeah. you've got to cover yourself on like on a legal aspect and you've got to be True. able to like justify what you're doing so i suppose like those things contribute but they're definitely mm. like the tricky things yeah mm. um is there anything on the job itself as in um the roles and responsibility of, of a midwife that is challenging at times as in just the stress of um, just knowing what to do at the right time while someone's stressing out, someone's crying just right beside you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's definitely, it's tricky when you, when things look like they could be going pear-shaped and you're mm. not 100% sure that they are, but safety's like the main thing for everybody and it's difficult to, to step back and let like the obstetrician take control yeah. when 
you know, obstetricians, it's their job to handle mm. um, to handle it when things aren't 100% safe. But sometimes they want to step in when it's 98% safe mm-hmm. and they want to just get it over with. Um, yeah. And it's difficult to sort of decide whether whether that 2% of risk is, is worth it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it, I definitely find it challenging to yeah. sort of step back and, and I suppose let somebody's pregnancy or birth like journey go in a direction where I know that they're not going to be satisfied at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like things, things happen, Obviously, yeah. I guess. And like, you want people to have like these, these optimum experiences, um, but then you want them to be safe and it's, it's sort of, yeah. it's difficult to decide like how far you push it. Yeah. And there are some things you can't really control, um, but uh, in organizational um, politics or people not understanding each other in a team, you can't really control these things. Yeah. But I guess the, the, the magic word uh, or the, the best thing to do, the best course of action is to just push along. Like, you know, like you said, you're in the lowest of the lowest are the, you're the front line. Like you're, you're, you're right in the bottom of, yeah. the, um, of the hierarchy, which is understandable because you're working as well. Uh, but give it 10 years. Give it, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm like leaning into. It's like I have, I have very little experience at the moment, so yeah. I need to see more before I can make like these massive claims, yeah. I suppose, which is challenging because, you know, uni does say, um, you know, this is where our limitations are and this is like the things that are going wrong in our industry. Yeah. Um, and they want us to stand up and say, well, you know, mm. evidence shows, da, 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 da. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know all the evidence yet. And yeah. it's, you can't really prove it when, you know, there's a woman and she's, she's vulnerable right now and we're going to do something right now. It's difficult yeah. to say, hey, can I speak to you outside? You've got 25 years of experience and I've got three, if you really count my student years as experience. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to challenge people that, yeah. you know, they're, they're bigger personalities than you and yeah. they're, they're, their voice means more. Hundred um, percent. I guess it's the yeah. experience that people value. Experience um, in any organization, regardless of how uh, well skilled you think you are, how well trained, or you know how sometimes uh, people have this natural ability to do certain things, um, even they even if they don't have experiences. Um, like we, I, I've known quite a few people at work who uh, have just joined, but then when they're on the phones with the clients, they sound so natural, and it's like they've been there for years and years. But I guess the organization is set up in such a way that um, regardless of how naturally fit you are for that position, um, it's um, you've got to have that experience. You've got to go through the long journey of organizational progress or whatever they call or the yeah. hierarchy. And I guess that's a, that's a thing with every job. Yeah. And good thing you raised uh, university because I've had this conversation with every person who's come into the podcast. I, my opinion, I'll start with my opinion about universities. I, I feel like... Um, Maybe I'm just being a pessimist uh, in this case, but I feel like exams and universities and classrooms and everything you learn at the university is not really helping, especially me. It's I've been to university. I've, I think I've done my master's degree. Come on, I'm, I'm Asian. That explains why. But, <laughs> but 
but I've, I've, I, I don't know what I've learned from university. I've definitely learned the art of being disciplined, mm-hmm. like, like doing my assignments and submitting it on time, respecting my elders, respecting my professors. But I've never really learned from university. Do you think your passion and your knowledge and experience uh, towards uh, being a midwife has uh, university has contributed towards this uh, towards midwife being a midwife or any other passion? Do you think university contributes now? University is a scam. <laughs> oh. I mean, <laughs> right, let's let's dig deeper. Universities as an institution yeah. are rubbish, uh-huh. and they definitely take advantage of people. Um, what you know? What university has got me to where I need to be to register, and I'm mm. grateful for that. Um, but I I really think it's the people that I have interacted with that yeah. have made the difference. Um, I the most of my the bulk of my learning like 98 percent of my learning has come from us as students um sharing our experiences yeah we every class i swear there's you know there's 30 of us and then there's a we have a tutor and um if it's a midwifery subject um because sometimes we have nursing subjects and it's just very sort of broad health as in general Mm. sort of subject but if it's a midwifery subject we have a a midwife who is practicing right now in the real world and the the process of sitting in like a, a circle or a semicircle and just sharing our stories mm-hmm. has is what has made all the difference. Mm. Um, that's the most valuable resource that the uni has, has offered me. Meeting people. Yes. Yeah, meeting the yeah. right people, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And so I think if I if I hadn't have gone to university and it was a traineeship the way that it used to be you know, however many decades yeah. ago, I think I would have got that. I would have got that from there. Mm. So, I mean, it is what it is. You have to go to university yeah. if you want to register, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but also, there's a lot of crap in there that you just don't. A hundred percent. I hate the like you said. I hate the the crap that there are people assigned to teach you something who have no absolute no idea what's yep. what's really required for the for the world outside. Like what's it's not just about book learning. It's not about text learning. It's it's also about the the skills that you need outside. The, it doesn't teach you how to think, in my opinion. It just teaches you what to study, mm-hmm. what to learn for the exam. But I I need to I, I want to learn how to think. Like I think YouTube's done me more favor than university has. To be honest, internet has done me more favor. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and it's just uh, it just pisses me off that like, you've spent so much money and time for university and you just don't get the best out of it. I mean, I mean, there will be people who will argue that there are good universities and I don't have the skill to get into a good university to get a good education. But then that's majority of the world. Like you talk about Harvard, there's like sixty people in a class. What about the rest seven billion people who want mm. to study something? But then I feel like, yeah, people who administer universities should make programs and um, just design the classroom in such a way it teaches you how to think. Yeah. 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 I mean, uni, definitely, you jump through the hoops to go through uni, you pay your money to to get those opportunities where you can learn outside of uni. I, yeah. don't, I don't think I've met anybody who has been fully prepared to do their job after uni. Yeah. It's just, it's not a thing. And... I suppose like it's a big ask to say, you know, mm. you go to like this this group of strangers and you sit in a classroom with everybody else and you you learn everything there is to know about the real world, but 
you know, they, they do make they make you jump through hoops for yeah. for crazy things that, you know, they could probably not do, mm. but they're going to keep making you jump through those hoops exactly. because you're going to pay for it. Mm. And that's, I think that's the trouble with it. Yeah. It's, that's a nice expression, like jumping through the hoops. When I think about university, I feel like I'm a log of wood and mm-hmm. I'm being cut in a shape where I'm being sent to fit into a certain... Um, wardrobe or a cupboard or whatever there is like on a wall and i fit and i stay there for a few years and then the wardrobe's changed into something like it's just i i feel this i have this visual thing like i'm being cut into something i'm not yeah yeah and that uh you know it's 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 come through years i've been um i was a big advocate of uh colleges and universities um but then uh through, through years of learning as you grow old as well you realize that the world out there is so different to uh, what it really is um, projected at university. And now I feel like my my um, uh, preferences and my priorities have completely changed. I'm happy with a small organization. I'm happy with working with like four people. I don't need 400 people working with me or for me. I'm happy with four people, but I've got to do something I love. That's I feel like that's that's the gist of life that you've got to find something that you love. Yeah, it, it can be a nine to five job, doesn't matter. Uh, you can go to work and still love your life, but it has to be something you love. Yeah, yeah. How do, do you get through the day if you don't love it? Exactly, like, like eight hours just spending. Imagine spending eight hours of your time with people you don't really want to be with, mm-hmm. and doing a job that you really don't want to do. Eight hours of your day, and then you come home. Um, you're you're tired, and you want to go to bed, and you go for eight hours again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finding that something is very important. How do you think people? Uh, do you think that I, I think uh, a better way to phrase this is: Do you think finding that something at the right age is important? Like the key word is age, because a lot of people wait, and then a lot of people don't start the businesses until they're. 40 and some people successfully do it some people don't can't because they have responsibilities they have jobs they can't yeah. really leave everything behind do you think have finding that passion in the right age is important hmm. the right age i mean you're working work is a massive part of our lives I'm now sorry. um so it's like you know a third of your life a quarter of your life maybe you spend you spend that time working. Yeah. So you want to love it. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Um, so I suppose you'd want to like figure it out as soon as you can. So then you can spend your life doing what you love. Um, but like with my experience where I, I didn't figure it out straight, figure it out straight away. And, you know, I, I certainly figured out sooner than some other people. Um, yeah. There's women in my course um, that are going, you know, they're going from accounting or... I don't know, like crazy things like teaching and completely, completely different things that, um, you know, mm. they're, they're, you know, in their forties and they've yeah. had all their children and blah, blah, blah. Um, so in a way I'm lucky that I figured it out, yeah. um, at 26. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of things that, that go into your life that, that'll help you figure out what you love and why. Um, yeah, it's a it's about connecting the dots, I guess. Yes, yeah. Because everything you do uh, happens for a reason, in yeah. my opinion. Like every single person you meet, every single experience uh, that you go through, yeah. And you feel like it, uh, it's not really contributing to uh, what I'm doing. Yeah. But then at the eventually, time. yeah, at the time, eventually, oh, it makes sense. And when yeah. it does, it'll give you goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. All those yeah. like little experiences, like the ones that like piss you off, and like 
you know, you think you're wasting your time, but then you look back like two, three years later and it's like, oh, that's where I got, you know, my empathy from or that's yeah. where I got my bravery from or, you know, like every little experience sort of builds a little part of you. And yeah, yeah I think it's important that like, even if you're not where you kind of want to be, like you should rem- try to remember yeah. um, because I didn't remember that those things are going to, they're going to help you eventually. Yeah. They're going to make sense. Exactly. Yeah. I remember when I was 24 or 23, uh, I had these crazy ideas. Um, there was a, there was a class um, going on once. It was about um, realizing your uh, passion or um, achieving your goal. And the teacher um, uh, or the professor uh, asked, um, so I want everybody to tell me, or just a few people in the class to tell me, um, what is your aim? What is your goal? in the next 10 years and everybody wrote uh, something very realistic like they want to be uh, a marketing professional they want to be an administrative assistant or they want to be a lawyer or a, a certain someone my goal of what i wrote on the piece of paper i raised my hand to say it out loud i still cringe to this day uh, <laughs> i said i want to change the world and that was, i was 24 and i was like i want to change the world and the the professor looks at me and she's like how do you want to do it and that's when I was dumbfounded. I have no idea how. I have absolutely no idea how I want to change the world, but I did say I want to change the world. And I look back at that moment now, and I feel like me being a, an idealist, uh, me having this idea that I can do it, mm-hmm. really contributed because um, I really want to do things all the time. I can't really just stay stagnant. I have to do always keep yeah. doing something. And um, do you think your experiences with uh, st- working as a midwife and starting midwifery, uh, it was because of childhood experiences, it was because of things you've been through, um, or just small things that led into studying that um, that particular subject? Yeah, probably. Um, it could have even been the things that I didn't experience. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I, I didn't know anybody that was pregnant. Like my sister was the probably the youngest person in my family and she yeah. was only, what, three years younger than me. So mm. it was the lack of, you know, seeing people having babies that yeah. probably did it for me. Because, um, yeah, like yeah. you don't see, you don't learn about it. And I think it kind of drove me there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And another question that I did, did have about midwifery is... Uh, do, can males become midwives? Uh, midwives, yes. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they so can. Um, I think it would be a very challenging thing to be to be a male midwife. Um, yeah. I have seen one, and I'm not even 100% sure he was a midwife, to be honest. He might have just been a nurse that was trained in labor mm-hmm. um yeah i think i'll never forget him i saw him my first day in the in the delivery suite uh-huh. um as a first year student i was like who is this it's like a you know a trimmed hagrid type of character <laughs> and i was like what are you doing here like this is you know women's business like yeah but no like so I think you, you can just have, you can you oh. so can um they're few and far between but you know we have countless male obstetricians yeah so you can totally do it as long as you you care about women and you're going to listen to them Mm. then you can totally do it like you have there's men everywhere in you know in midwifery and obstetrics and you know they're they're everywhere so you totally can but it's just a matter of i suppose surrendering yourself 
to the woman and might be a little bit controversial to say, but mm. I don't think a lot of <laughs> men really want to do that. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I can imagine as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then the question is, what, why not, right? Why can't they do it? Uh, as in, I understand there's, a, there's this um, interest in not doing it, but mm-hmm. then the, the role itself, the responsibility itself, um, men can do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's funny because there's so many jobs out there where they have... Um, I haven't seen this in Australia, but they have this quota for certain jobs that only men can do or uh, they have a certain space uh, reserved for women. Uh, I haven't seen this in Australia, but around the world, I have to tell you, it's um, women and equality. Uh, it has gone. It, it, it's jumped. It's, it's, it's progressed so much. We don't see it because we are in a nation where everybody's equal mm-hmm. uh, there's so much equality uh, compared to the rest of the world i understand there are problems but then there's so much equality here around the world uh especially in nepal like women um uh, their empowerment the programs that that, are, that were launched towards it and it, just the general equality towards women it's just skyrocketed mm. it's just skyrocketed in, in a sense that you know uh, people are um considering that everybody deserves a chance yeah and the fact that you know men can be midwives as well, it's just it just makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it, to you. M- maybe I should consider. Right? Maybe you should. Yeah. You can start off being a doula. What's a doula? A doula is is a a support person. Huh. Um, so it's not quite. It's more professional than say your mother or your husband helping you in your pregnancy and your labor. Yeah. Um, but they're not medical. They're just very much. They're very. It's a person that's there to support you and to sort of i guess maybe the word would be to to serve you Mm -hmm. um to keep you focused um to to spark sort of questions and help you to to plan like what you want for this experience and help you to get there um it's a person that's they're they're advocates and midwives are too Mm -hmm. but then we have the added responsibility of you know the medical side of things and yeah. Um, and performing like that role as well, but a doula is there specifically yeah. to to advocate for you and to support you um, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Yeah. yeah, there's so many roles you don't know about, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, like like exactly. I said before, you just think of, of doctors and nurses, but then you had midwives and doulas. Yes. Wow, uh, I saw a few pictures on Facebook about. Um, uh, professionals in the medicine industry just you know working hours and hours and hours and you've met my sister as well right mm-hmm, and yeah. she, she's a doctor back in nepal and they have these long shifts like almost 15 and 16 hours that's crazy yeah and they're not even um taken care of uh, i mean it's uh, they're taken care of in terms of um the resources and the money they're given in terms of their pay but that's not the most important thing right now and you look at um, hospitals today. You look at um, medical professionals, and I would consider you as someone who's someone who's working in the hospital would have experienced how uh, the pandemic has uh, changed a few things. And I wanted to get your uh, your views on that as well. Has it? Has it not? And how? If it has. Right. So, like in my industry, it's it's definitely like things have changed. They haven't changed as drastically as like the way that it would happen in like a respiratory ward. Um, like things in hospitals have been shut down to prevent like the contact and that's, you know, yeah. push back people's surgeries and whatever. And, um, you know, it's had an impact there, but in my, my field, it's more, it's changed the way that 
you know, we sort of interact and it's yeah. that's an important part of what we do. Um, so at your appointments, we have to wear a mask and during your birth and labor, like we now have to wear a mask if you're going to be anywhere in like within 1.5 meters of, of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to wear a mask, which is a massive, a massive win because mm. um, I think originally they were going to make them, but, you know, it's just, it's too much. You can't expect someone in labor to wear a mask yeah. for hours on end. Um, That's literally suffocating. <laughs> just oh, wearing the mask so, for hours and hours. Yeah, it's ex- it's it's exhausting on like it's such a small thing and it's so necessary. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a massive pain and it's just you mm. know uh, I don't know. It has its own its own impact and its own yeah its own toll. But that's that's fine. What really sort of makes it challenging is um, you know we have to tell women you can't have as much support as you need right now, mm. and that's that's the hardest part. Yeah, true. Um, and it's it's really difficult to explain to a woman like, no, you can't. Your husband can't come to your your clinic appointment. And they can't like they want to come to ask their own questions, um, or to just listen to the baby's heartbeat. Um, and that's an important bonding experience for them as well. Like they mm. don't they don't experience everything the way that the woman does. Yeah. Um. So it's challenging to say you can't come in yeah and it's challenging to say you the woman has to come in by herself and you know you know mm. baby brains are real things so sometimes yeah. they really want their husbands there to, to to help them to you know bring up these issues and ask these questions and it's yeah. you can't explain it it's you yeah. know we like, we want everybody in the room but it's like oh we can't do it purely because the hospital said no because the government said no mm. um even if we're all, you know, washing our hands and, you know, maintaining a distance, it's it's just limiting contact yeah. and it's challenging. I guess uh, during such an emotional moment for the parents and the families, uh, having those restrictions really puts them off. Uh, it's just, it's it's annoying, to be honest. Like, if you put them, put yourself in that situation, because you've worked in the industry, you know why it's important. But having not worked in the industry and going through that um, phase of restrictions and the process that was not there before, mm-hmm. it can be it can be annoying. Yeah. And like women are vulnerable already. Yeah. Um, and then to sort of isolate them from the people that love them and the people that really know them is is just one more thing that they don't really need. Yeah, um, true. And, you know, um, another rule that we have um, in hospitals at the moment is you can only have one person support you in labor mm-hmm. and one that same person is the is the one person that can visit you or stay with you depending on where you are um, after the baby's born as well. Yeah. Um, and that's not always a good thing. Like, yes, it's great that you can have your husband there, but husbands aren't always the best person to support you. <laughs> so that's arguable. It, uh, is, we can, we can it depends on who you are. I've uh-huh. seen I've seen some stuff. Um, <laughs> but you know, some people are great, and yeah. you know they're involved and they they've done the education and they're there for it. But then other people are very reserved. Mm. They're very panicky. They're not going to you know evoke like a sense of calm and serenity that's going to be helpful they're going to panic yeah. because they've seen your waters break or something yeah um and you know a woman's in in pain and she's vulnerable again and some people can't handle that so mm. women are sort of now having to choose between in some cases not all cases they're starting to choose between do i want the father of my baby to witness its birth mm-hmm. Or do I want my mother or my sister or my cousin, my friend, who's going to actually help mm. me here? 
oh. um, to be there. They have to make that decision. So logic versus uh, emotion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Convenience versus emotion. Yeah. 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 Because mm. before all this, you'd have you have your husband there, yeah. and you'd have like whoever you want. Really, you could have up to up to three support people. I think just for, mm. you know, you can't have that yeah. many people in the room. Yeah. Um, and you know, each of those people would have play a different role, and they would be there for a reason and for a purpose, and like they would contribute positively to that experience. Because mm. um, you know, your mother's been there. Your mother knows you. She's comfortable with with everything she knows what label neighbor is and what birth is and that's great mm. um but your husband's there you want him there because you love him and he's he want you want to see the baby born yeah. um they're not always in the same person mm. and sometimes they are they are and that's fantastic but sometimes you get your husband and he does not care he's there because he has to be there yeah um, yeah, it's his responsibility. Exactly. And people have told him it's his responsibility exactly. to be there that yeah. night. Yeah. yeah, but he's going to be on his phone the whole time. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> so people sometimes are picking the wrong people. And yeah. yeah, that's a massive challenge for them. And, you know, it is the women that are mm. that are seeing like the most impact. It's impacting them the most. Mm. Um, now, having seen so many things um, uh, between families, just being there, not being there, children um, being raised by people who... Um, do take care of their children and some some people who need more training or mm -hmm. need more um, time with the child um, have you developed some uh, certain strategies for yourself that's uh, things you are going to do and things you are you you will definitely not do with your child mm -hmm. when the time comes mm, because of work yes. and the ex uh, things you've seen yeah i think so i think i've got like a you know, a box of ammunition of like stuff that I will try and mm -hmm. like things that I know that I can try and, yeah. and I know that not everything will work. And, you know, I think I've got like a little bit of confidence that, you know, you, like you hear a baby crying and people go, oh no, the baby's crying, something's wrong. Like yeah. crying means hurt or sadness or something. But, um, and that's, that's a massive thing. Mm. I, I think that's a massive barrier to like looking after your baby. Like is people worried about that? Oh, so um, you're saying it's not a bad thing, no, a baby crying? No, no, no. Why not? No. That's, that's the only way that babies can communicate. Oh. They cry, they make a noise, they want you to respond. It's not always a bad thing. So it's not always about pain. It's no, not always about hunger. No, no. It's, um, I mean, it's mo most of the time they're telling you that they're, they're missing something. Mm. But like it's a wonderful thing that they can say, yeah. I, I need this. But it's not always there's something wrong, I'm suffering. And sometimes it's like, oh, where's my mom? I want to like, I want to look at you mm. or I want to, I want to be close to you because that's, that's yeah. the only thing they know really. That's, that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a little bag of tricks that I've got mm. um, to like, you know, settling and swaddling and different things that I think will take me less time to learn. Like I won't pretend that I'm an expert in mm -hmm. looking after a baby, but I think I'll be calmer about yeah. it i won't be as panicked as some people are i understand yeah. yeah i work for insurance and i feel like i'll be more efficient choosing a life insurance for myself i, I think it's not the right the best word to use uh, in terms of uh, managing a family and not the word efficient but i think mm -hmm. you'll be more efficient absolutely uh, yeah raising a child yeah and i think that's a massive step yeah. up for me like you know everyone goes through this yeah like this transition of you know, things that they've never experienced before and they've got to learn like a new language basically. And like, mm. you know, you've got to learn how to speak baby and you're not going to learn that 
now, like in this, in modern times, you're not going to learn that until you've got one yourself. Exactly. And that's a huge yeah. stress. Mm. Like unless you've got these massive families and everyone's having children around you. But it's it's not the norm anymore to yeah. have, you know, a community where, you know, everyone shares a responsibility of bringing up children. And, mm. um, you know, it's very much a private thing now to, to have a pregnancy and to have a baby and to, to sort of, well... To raise the baby, like all the the challenging things are are hidden. Yeah, you get all your joyful things, and like that's what everyone sees, and they think it's going to be easy and yeah. it's going to be natural. And it's like the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. Like you see the emotions, you see the happiness. Yeah. You, know, you see um, a baby growing yeah. from a small child, like a what do you call it, infant, mm -hmm. to uh, someone who can walk and is like a real human being now. Yeah. But then, yeah, there's everything down there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just, and people it, it, don't get to see that anymore, so they don't yeah. see all the stuff that's normal and they don't get mm. to see the, the challenges that are normal and it's, yeah. and it's fine to make mistakes. Exactly. And that's the real test of parenthood, uh, mm -hmm. that you've got to really uh, understand that phase so much better. Otherwise, it's going to affect the child's life and yeah. your life as well yeah. in so many different ways. And I guess that's where education and experience and people like you are important will just give the right path and the direction yeah. for someone, uh, for, for, for a new parent, I guess. Yeah, the support and information, like that's all you can give yeah. like a family, you give them the support that they can do it and, you know, it's okay if not everything goes to plan and you give them information, they can make their own decisions about what's going to work for their family mm. and what's going to work for like that child and, yeah. and away they go, that's all they need. Yeah. So. Exactly, it's like a teacher to be honest, like it's, um, you've got to have someone to show you the path and there you are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no one forces a child to like learn anything. You just give them the tools and they, they do what they want with it. Exactly. Someone has to be there is the whole point. Right. We've recorded um, 70 minutes of, uh, of baby talk and it's, it's amazing because I, I, I learned so many things off you. Uh, just the, like I'm not a big um, – I, I don't know a lot about babies uh, and uh, – it's just it's it's a it's a it's a whole new world out there that's uh, that's yet to be experienced by me and obviously by you as well. But yeah, we look forward to the future, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 going to be amazing. Like we we talk about things um, that we know, we've seen, uh, we've learned about, uh, but we don't know what's really going to happen. Obviously, it's going to happen, uh, and it's going to happen good. But yeah, yeah, I think it, the the future is yet to come. Yeah, yeah. It's like life's greatest adventure, isn't it? Exactly. It's like uh, shooting an arrow in the dark, uh, and <laughs> just hoping it just lands in the right spot. But you have this belief. Hey, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming, Nikki. And um, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure learning about uh, midwifery, midwifery, midwifery. Yeah, midwifery, <laughs> and just uh, you know, just the just the experience of being a midwife. Um, and just looking after a baby and realizing that there are people out there who care. Like there are people out there who are there to help you out in a time you need help most. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess uh, all I can say is we salute you for your, uh, for your you. service. Thanks. <laughs> this has yeah. been such like a really good experience. Like, has it? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's given me a little bit more confidence. Like I'm going on prac tomorrow. So now I... Like just talking about all this, it's like, yeah. oh, I do know what I'm, I do know what I I'm know. doing, and you know, I'm in it for the right reasons. Yeah. So it's a great thank feeling, you for right? Opening that up to me. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> it's a great feeling, right? Just talking about something and then realizing midway, oh, I'm smart. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got the clarity and I can, I can express this, which means it's out there. All I've got to do is execute it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I'm meant to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's a really good comfort as well. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, this was uh, the the sixth episode of Bottled. Uh, it was incredibly fun for me. Thank you so much for being here. And I wish to have you again. Um, what I am planning is uh, maybe in a few months time is you and Jackson together so we can talk oh. about, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a mixture of smart, that's you and me, and shit, that's Jackson. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to hold, but yeah, we'll find out. Oh, I'm down for that. That'll be, there'll be a lot of banter. Perfect. <laughs> All right, cheers. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, yeah. guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.